Hello and welcome back to Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda, the podcast where we cover the smart stuff but also lean into the trash. <laughs> Especially today. <laughs> but first, we are diving into the murky world of cults. And some you may have heard of, but others you definitely won't have. At least I certainly hadn't. <laughs> They're terrifying and fascinating. And another thing that's terrifying and fascinating are the real estate agents on Selling Sunset. It's true. And today we are flipping this podcast on its head and Grace is tackling the um, vapid reality show and telling me about it. And I have no idea. So that's pretty exciting. (laughs) Yeah. It's been taken up my whole week. Every waking moment I've been in the Hollywood Hills real estate world, so I can't wait to tell you all about it. And Grace has a very compelling theory, which I can't wait to hear. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But as always, let's start with Treasury. Before we get into our segment on cults today, we just want to give a quick trigger warning as this segment will be discussing suicide. While we won't be going into any details, it is a major part of what happened in one of these cults. So if you'd like to skip this segment, you can fast forward about 20 minutes and join us for Trash instead. So today for Treasury, we're talking about cults. Now, I thought it would be obvious when I said that we're talking about cults what that was but I was speaking with my dad about um, potentially doing this topic and he was like why are you doing a segment on horses (laughs) I I don't even know Colts with an O yeah and I've now realized why my car um, was called a colt because it's like as fast as a horse so we're not talking about the horses We're we're also not talking about my car and we're also not talking about Apparently, they're a type of firearm in America as well. Yeah. And we're also not talking about cult followings. So this might include like Trekkies, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show enthusiasts, or Mm -hmm. me adoring um, Gilmore Girls, things like Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) (laughs) Things with a cult following. So the definition of a cult is a group of people with extreme dedication to a certain leader or set of beliefs that are often viewed as odd by others. Or is sort of an excessive or misplaced admiration for someone or something. Mm. They, can, they can be religious groups, often living together, whose beliefs are considered extreme. And these beliefs do differ widely. So you might have heard of uh, very prominent cults, including the infamous Jonestown massacre, uh, which is where the phrase drinking the Kool-Aid came from because people were forced to drink the Kool-Aid, but, um, you know, they were all on this island and things. About that, I read recently that it actually wasn't Kool-Aid. It was a different brand of drink called Flavor-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. Yeah, and Kool-Aid is like getting all this bad press and the saying is wrong. The saying is wrong. I guess it just doesn't um, have the same ring to it. Don't drink the Flavor-Aid. Yeah, so there's horrible ones like that and also, you know, the Australian, the family. Well, yeah, about the family. Did you know that Julian Assange was in that cult when he was a <gasps> No freaking way. Yes, yes. No way. Yeah, so the family is like this weird cult where this lady adopted all these kids and made them like dye their hair peroxide blonde. And yeah, Julian Assange was in it. There's a whole doco about it. Wow. I don't know much about it, but yeah. That's incredible. It is I, really, really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, they were bizarre, that cult, but um, I had yeah, had no idea that he was connected to it. That is freaking random. Well, the one I'm going to begin talking about today is slightly different. I mean, those ones are pretty depressing, I have to say. And look, they all are to a certain degree. Um, you can't really get away from that. But Heaven's Gate is a little bit different. Um it's originated in the sort of 70s um, and it's known for the essential, essentially mass suicide as well um, mm. of 37 people who were found dead in a mansion in 97. But it, I've it all started. I've heard of this one. I've heard of Jonestown, but I've never heard of the Heaven's Gate. 
neither had I. And I do need to give a shout out to my friend Eden, who is um, also obsessed with cults, <laughs> as am I, <laughs> who has told me about this one. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting um, and very bizarre. So when they were all found, they thought they were all boys because they all had shaved heads and matching uniforms. But actually, it was a blend of uh, both men and women. Basically, the cult revolves around the belief that aliens have contacted the Earth and that they were coming back to the planet. Um, Mm. They also believed that the Earth was going to be recycled and sort of had all these interests around the Hale-Bopp comet. So Ah. the Hale-Bopp comet was was in 1997 and it was most visible during a certain period and they believed that an alien ship was um, accompanying the Hale-Bopp and that's when they were going to be taken to the next level is what they called it. What? Yes. (laughs) So Sounds like bloody QAnon from last week. (laughs) Look, yes, I guess. Um, It's very, very bizarre. So, look, that's, that's the kind of the end result, but I would like to take us back to the beginning. So it began with... Bonnie and Marshall, who were two leaders, the main two leaders of the group, and they just became known as the two. Mm. Um, Yes. So Bonnie was uh, divorced. She was a mum in the mid-70s and she got into astrology and eventually believed she had special abilities. Marshall was also divorced, estranged from his children, unemployed because he didn't have any solid qualifications and he was very lonely. Marshall and Bonnie met at a hospital where Bonnie uh, was a nurse there and then she met Marshall and did his astrological chart. Um, Basically, she told him that his fate was like clearly intertwined with hers. What a pickup line. Uh, What a pickup line. Like it seems that our fate is intertwined. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, birthed Heaven's Gate and they believed that they were the two witnesses to this um, random biblical thing that's not important and um (laughs) so essentially it's kind of the cult is sort of advertised as a way to get rid of irritating human things that hold you back so lust jealousy attachment control and addictions and um so uh, this is like a common theme in extraterrestrial literature it's kind of like like leaving behind things that are not important because there's other higher things that are important um, that haven't got to do with our vessels or our vehicles, which are our bodies. Mm. Yeah. So they believe that the fate is in the stars for some reason, but they don't quite know. So they pretty (laughs) much then meet and decide that they're like the witnesses to this uh, revelations or whatever. And um, they intertwine religion astrology and aliens into basically one super mashup cult. <laughs> mm. And um, look, they say that it works for a lot of people because it sort of fits into all these categories. Mm-hmm. Bonnie left her family uh, as well to continue her journey. So she completely left behind all of her family. And so did Marshall, although he was estranged. They renamed themselves, as many people do in cults, to bow and peep. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> and then eventually just decided that those names weren't good enough and renamed themselves to Ty and Doe. And this is because Bonnie loved the sound of music. <laughs> Which, <Wait>. lol. <laughs> What's Ty and Doe in sound of music? Like Doe, a deer, a female deer. I don't know. So ti doe or something? So la ti. A drink with jam and bread is not Ty. Oh, a tea, tea, tea. Sorry. Yes, you do. I was going to say, like, <laughs> bow and peep is, like, really, like, silly. Then, like, I can see why they upgraded, but then I hear the next name and what it stands for. And it's like, okay, they did not upgrade to, like, tough tea. new names. Yeah, exactly. And actually, they um, there's this musical, which um, <laughs> I'll play a clip of, where they're all singing and they redo the whole lyrics to just be about their religion. That is my jam. <laughs> I want to hear that song. <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic. Let's 
play here as well, um, you know, when this cult was formed, is that the 70s was an era of self-help, finding oneself, hippies, and essentially woo-woo. So (laughs) cults were kind of in, if that makes sense. You know, everyone was sort of going on these spiritual journeys, um, going to retreats and, you know, doing sort of meditations and taking herbal different herbal teas taking lots of drugs um like you I mean, know people still are into all that stuff and it's like where do you draw the line what is just going to a health spa or an ashram to do some meditation and when can you call it a cult once it's worshiping that leader i guess versus like just hashtag wellness absolutely so this cult unlike other prominent cults like the the ones of jonestown and um the family and just just lots of other uh sort of cults where there's lots and lots and lots of pressure to stay and um not to leave uh they kept saying that you, you know you can choose to believe this or not it's it's your choice and Lots of people actually did leave and they weren't criticised or shunned. So it kind of made people feel like, oh, this actually is my choice. Like if I want to leave, I can because other people have left and they're fine. And they they keep saying that. They're sort of like, you can, you know, you can come with us on this journey. This is our chance to leave and get to the next level um, because the planet is going to be recycled. But you'll get another opportunity in 2000 years. But you know, you probably don't want to wait 2,000 years. You probably want to come with us now. Um, So what does it mean when the planet's going to be recycled? It's involving a lot of not um, sound logic, Grace, is I think it's fair to say. (laughs) 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 They just sort of believe that aliens have contacted and they want to recycle the Earth because they're they're done with it and they need to they're they're sort of the planet's done with they need to reach the next level and they want to use the planet for like parts so send it to yeah the aliens the the aliens are returning so they want to take it over and recycle it (laughs) repurpose recycle the planet remodel it (laughs) remodel Uh, what did we say in doomsday uh it's a it's a fixer-upper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually turned out to be an extremely good strategy because it was a somewhat choice to stay and people did stay. Um, mm. You know, other than the fact that it's still a cult, I mean, there's lots of manipulative tactics and the fact that they had to renounce oneself from their families and not be distracted because their vessels, you know, vehicles, um you know, are at risk of not having self-restraint. So you can't commit yourself to the cause, just like all these other religious cults. Um, You can't commit fully unless you renounce all your extraneous experiences Mm. and uh, connections, basically. So, you know, people have a choice, but realistically they're still kind of being groomed in this way that's like to all be alike and to all dress alike and to Mm. uh, live in the same place. Do they have to sign a contract for a million years? We haven't mentioned Scientology (laughs) is another big one. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't mention Scientology, but, yes, um, it's very – I guess with that, though, people say that's a religion, but – It's very similar. Lots of horror stories about that, how people are treated. Very, very similar to Scientology, um, but that's kind of – I, I suppose they just don't have the um, the same level of uh, manipulation and corruption um, that they have in those cults, especially because it is very, very small scale, this cult, mm-hmm. um, you know, and basically uh, everybody in this cult is now dead other than a few leftover people. Um, so what happened is they sort of didn't know when or how the aliens would contact them and it was the Hale-Bopp comet where they were like, yes, this is our time, this is our answer. Mm. And they believed that the only way to uh, get to the next level was to commit suicide, leave their vehicles, their physical bodies and go aboard the spaceship. I know. (laughs) I know. It's really sad but it's also like – they really, really believe this. You know, these people 
really, really believe this and they actually make exit videos. So they these wow. videos are available for purchase and you can watch them all on YouTube as well because people, you know, put them up. Uh, what? Yeah. That seems really ethically dubious. Well, they... <laughs> They there's documentaries and everything like it's it's fascinating really it's kind of yeah. like the Jonestown massacre tapes you know if you've heard them before or Finding Nexium there's lots of uh, you know recordings mm. and um, you know it, it, it's interesting these people are so they're so thankful that they've got an opportunity they're so thankful and they talk about their bodies in the third person they're like but it's not that our vehicles weren't loved and you know they leaving mm. messages behind for their families and that they didn't love and that they didn't care you know we just had to focus on the cause and da 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 and the only way to do this is to not have connections and have distractions um but our vehicles our bodies um you we did love or whatever so they all did it i guess that's the big question like in it. jonestown you sort of said it was like coerced Whereas in this one, they all wanted to do it? Oh, well, theoretically, yes. Yes. Um, you know, they all wanted to do it. They all um, they actually all went to like Vegas and gambled and gave all their money hurrah. away. They had a last hurrah and they made all these exit videos. From all accounts, it seems like they all wanted to do it. And the only people left over are kind of like these two people who run the website. Um <laughs> And they have this little website and they're just this little bizarre cult. And um, a lot of people who have left the cult can speak about the experiences within it um, and sort of say that it was relatively nice. There are some dark elements, though, such as there's a few people who ended up castrating themselves because sex was completely frowned upon. So they were a celibate cult as well. If you had a family member who was like in this cult you would be devastated. You'd be like, how could I have not made them see that this was just completely absurd and like get through to them. They were so brainwashed that they believed in this comet and this spaceship exactly. and the recycling. It's, it is, yeah, it's It's so tragic. bizarre. It's so bizarre and so tragic. And um, then when they all died, they all wore mat- matching uniforms, matching Nike shoes, and then Nike discontinued their brand after the news Broke oh, really? They, they were wearing that the line. Yep. <laughs> wow. yep. They did. So, yeah, that is Heaven's Gate. It is a very bizarre and interesting cult. And um, I will recommend something in the recommendation section today uh, that if you want to find out more about them. Awesome. Well, like on the topic of sort of, you know, it's the 70s and people going to like retreats. I yep. looked up one similar in that sense. And so it started in India in the late sort of 60s and it was this leader called Bhagwan Shri Ragnish, but they called him Osho. Wait, Osha? As in Osha Gunsberg? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Osho ending in an O. Um, but yes, I did think the same thing when I read That's his another. Name type of cult the bachelor um <laughs> bachelor style which you games. are firmly indoctrinated into <laughs> um but in this one he would just sort of people would come from afar to go to his ashram which is quite a normal thing people did in the 70s you know the Beatles did it everyone was into that um and he got so many followers he's like I want to build a commune for us to all live in but mm. the Indian government wasn't into it so they decided instead to move to America and build their commune there. So in 1981, they bought 80,000 acres of land in Antelope, Oregon, and bought all their followers there to start their little commune there. Now, wow. Antelope, Oregon was a really small town. It only had 50 people living there. And then all of these cult hippies showed up and everyone's like, who the F are these hippies? Yeah. And the town called them orange people because they all dressed in orange and <laughs> they were like trying to become self-sufficient and okay. they his like second in charge was this lady called Sheila who was like running the shots he was the figurehead but she was like the enforcer right and so she was like getting the cult all set up and they also tried to set up a commune in Australia in <gasps> Fremantle 
And there's a really famous interview of her on 60 Minutes. Sheila, whatever your plans are, we don't want the Rajneeshis. We don't want the orange people in our town. What can I say? Tough titties. Tough titties? (laughs) Yeah, tough titties. Like, we've all heard that quote. I thought that was like a Pauline Hanson quote, but apparently it's this really famous quote from this cult lady, Sheila. Oh, in Australia. My God. Which is so funny. But back to Oregon antelope, because that's where the main story goes down. So they're like building all of their houses. They're like trying to be self sufficient. And they really outnumber the population of the town. So they all got elected into local government. And then, like, they're just sort of running the show. And then they're trying to get elected into like the county elections. Mm. And so they think they're not going to be able to get elected. So basically Sheila, the sort of enforcer, masterminds this plan to basically like sabotage the voting population. Mm. And they breed salmonella virus in their big warehouse in their cult and then they put it in syringes and they go into town and they squirt it in all the salads, in all the salad bars (laughs) around town. It's so random. And Jesus. they gave they gave seven hundred and forty people food poisoning and forty people were hospitalized. Oh my god. Why did they yeah. do that? Why did they do they that? They did it because they w- didn't they wanted the voting to be sort of in the favor of their cult. So they wanted the normal population of the town to be sort of out of the picture on voting weekend. Oh my god. Yeah. Could you just imagine? People running around squirting salmonella into salad bars. Yes, that's exactly what happened, though. It was the first and single largest bioterrorist attack in United States history. Really? Yeah. And so Sheila went to jail. Um, She was sentenced to 20 years, but she only served two years. And the cult leader went back to India. Um, Jesus, only two of 20. Yeah. She was supposed to serve, like, 20 years per person she poisoned. Um, But I think she did a really big plea deal and they managed to get the whole cult shut down and stuff. Right. And now she works in Switzerland and she runs two nursing homes. And I'm like, how is she allowed to ever be in charge of, like, people's lives, especially, like, vulnerable people? Some some of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, some elements are really funny and wacky and, um, you know... We can laugh at those bits, but essentially, you know, at the at the core of all of these groups is vulnerable people who are looking for answers and sometimes just unsure about the meaning of life or what the point to their life is. Um, some people could be depressed or uncertain or just completely lonely and isolated. Mm. And it is a sense for- of belonging. Like there's a reason they're called the family and stuff like... Yeah, people have like really, really huge attachments to these cults because you really feel like you belong. And, um, you know, they still exist today. They they were sort of, you know, there's some prominent ones that we've talked about, but they're still around. And, um, you know, if you think that uh, you know someone in a cult, I mean, it's very hard to broach um, and Mm. convince them of, you know, the logic of how to get out of it or why they shouldn't be in it because just like conspiracy theorists like what we've talked about um they believe wholeheartedly that they're doing the right thing so it's 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 very interesting um and we'll put some links in the show notes to some organizations that you can maybe refer people to yeah such a good point and they are really fascinating so if you do want to learn more about the cult that i talked about there's a really good documentary on netflix called wild wild country But there's also something else on Netflix that is taking the world by storm and I think it's time to talk about it. So usually when we discuss terrible reality shows, Miranda is the one that watches them and then tells me about them. But this week we thought we would mix it up a bit and (laughs) sacrifice my brain cells for the podcast instead. I know. Look who's treasury now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this week I watched all three seasons of Selling Sunset. Mm. It's everywhere right now. Like, have you seen stuff about it? I've seen heaps of stuff about it, but I haven't seen it and I just didn't get it. I was like, it's kind of like, yeah, like a really 
trashy reality show about selling houses, which just didn't like appeal to me. I was sort of like, why? <laughs> why are we yeah. interested in this? Why is everybody obsessed with it? I just don't get it. By the end of this segment, we might still not have answered that question, but (laughs) I will still tell you what it's about. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) So basically the setting of the show is that these two bald guys who are twins called Brett and Jason run this real estate business called the Oppenheim Group, where Mm. they only employ very hot chicks and they sell luxury (laughs) houses on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood. (laughs) And the show is about basically the real estate agents and their drama with each other. Okay. And you also get to see lots of beautiful houses, you know, great bathtubs, great walk-in robes. So Mm -hmm. it's a bit of real estate porn as well. Do they go into it as like the houses as well or is it just like a side aspect, the houses? The houses are kind of like the backdrop, but sometimes they'll be the main storyline. So, for example, there's this really epic house they're trying to sell that's the biggest house that's ever been on the Hollywood Hills before. It's a big deal. Wow. 40 million. Oh, far out. Which (laughs) is the same amount as the GDP of Tuvalu. Of what? And of Tuvalu, which is like a small, it's a small Pacific Island country. Oh, Pacific Island. Okay. I'm sure lots of people haven't heard of that place. (laughs) So in the first episode, a new real estate agent joins called Chrishell, which is a horrible name, but we love her. She's really nice. I did hear like a fun fact, which you've probably already got a bit why she's called Chrishell. No, I don't know that. Please tell. Oh my gosh. It's the only thing I know about the show. Great. And the mother of Chrishell kind of trailer trash and uh, mm. gave birth to Chrishell in a service station, a shell service station. And Aww. the person who was at the scene who delivered the baby, whose name was Chris. So ipso wow. facto, you get Chrishell. <laughs> that yes. actually explains a lot though. And Really? Like, yeah. Because okay. So the other big thing about Chrishell, so is that she's married to Justin Hartley, a.k.a. Kevin Pearson from This Is Us. <gasps> yes. So, like, huge. Whoa. And she, she's also an actress. Um, she was in Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless, but now apparently she's found her passion for real estate. So clearly this show is so bullshit. Like you literally have hired yeah. an actress. Like you've just hired actors to sell houses. Yeah. Like are they selling houses or the They're selling just- houses. They all have their real estate licenses, but they're mm. all like very botoxed, beautiful um, Instagram influencer real estate agents. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting the story you tell about her being born at a gas station because yeah, we do find out as well that Chrishell's comes from like a really poor background. And she grew up in poverty and experiencing homelessness. And she tells, like, quite sad stories about being, like, the stinky kid at school and that, you know, now she's really determined to be really successful. Mm -hmm. So when you recapped Big Brother, you said that it was actually the show Survivor. Yes. I am going to say that Selling Sunset is actually the OC. (gasps) No, really? Okay. And Chrishell is Ryan from Chino. Really? Yes. So basically, Chrishell comes from this poor background. She's found herself in this whole new rich, privileged world, just Mm -hmm. like in the OC. And she goes to the $40 million house I just described, and she's like, wow, this is not my usual selling two-bedroom condos in the valley. (laughs) It's like Ryan is not in Chino anymore. Wow. Well... I think that houses were a big part of the OC as well. <laughs> Looking at fancy rich kids in these fancy houses was like a big pervy part of why we were in love with the OC as well. Totally. Yeah. And it is like that. It's like we're using Chrishell as the new person to like introduce us into this world the same way that like real Ryan estate was new. porn. Yeah. Yeah, real estate porn and, mm-hmm. like, the lives of the rich and famous where you can spend, like, $40 million on a house. Yeah, yep. 
Okay, so, so I'm same, sort of saying that it's not twice. about the houses. It's 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 about the relationships. It's about the women that sell the houses. And we will go into extreme detail about what goes down between the women. <laughs> okay. Now, there's one particularly evil real estate agent called Christine. And when she introduces herself in her talking head, she says, I'm not scared to tell it like it is. Oh. Which is always code for I'm an asshole. Classic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. I just tell it like it is, like just say it. Like I just, just say it. Just really like, honest. I'm honest. Yeah. Mm. And Gosh. so it's Chriselle, aka Ryan's birthday. And evil Christine gives her a toast and she says, Chriselle, <laughs> I don't know you very well, but I will get to know you. And in the words of Brittany, you better work, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, revealing that Christine's OC counterpart is Luke, and she has just delivered this iconic line to Ryan. Welcome to the OC, bitch. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. Oh, there's more. Then in episode three, one of the real estate agents, Mary, gets proposed to. And it's like first thing in the morning and they're lying in bed talking about the night before and he proposes. And it's like really cute and spontaneous, apart from the fact there's a camera crew in your bedroom. Like it's not that spontaneous. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> so again, it's like obviously staged. Yes. I love that about these shows, how they just are like, yeah, this is like really natural moment. And then this is, it's like if you actually think about the mechanics of that, it's like there's a whole film crew in there and like you had yeah. to get dressed and open the door, but then get back into bed and look like and you woke up. And pretend you're just waking up. Yeah. yeah. And she's like yawning and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. And then she's at the office and she's telling everyone like she was so surprised. And she explains it's not a real diamond. It's made of moissanite, which is like cubic zirconia. And he's going to save up to buy her the real diamond. And then this other real estate agent we haven't really met yet called Davina pipes up and she's like, so how do you feel about the fact it's not a real diamond? And all the other girls are like, oh my God, Davina, you can't just ask someone how they feel about it not being a real diamond. (laughs) (laughs) Basically mean girls. You can't just ask someone why they're white. (laughs) Exactly. So Davina has therefore revealed herself to be a villain and mm. a superficial, materialistic villain. And Davina's OC character is Julie Cooper, another classic villain. Yes. So this proposal and their reaction to it becomes the main drama of season one. And it causes a big drama between Chriselle and Christine. So they're fighting about Mary, who got engaged. Now, who are Luke and Ryan fighting over in season one of the OC? They're fighting over Marissa Cooper. So therefore, Mary is Marissa. Yes, of course. Now, of course. Now, they're having a party to celebrate Mary slash Marissa Cooper's engagement. And evil Christine pulls Mary aside at her own engagement party and is like, are you sure this is a good idea? You've been married twice before. I just want what's best for you. And then storms out of the party. And it's like, uh, yeah, drama. Drama. And then lovely Chriselle gets ambushed by the villains in a conversation about the controversial engagement. And because Chriselle is new to town, she doesn't know what the situation is and why Christine doesn't support the engagement. So she's asking evil Davina Julie Cooper in private, like, do you know if the reason people are concerned about the engagement is it because she pays for stuff and, like, she's successful and he's younger? Like, what is it? Um, mm-hmm. And then evil Julie Cooper tells everyone that Chriselle was bitching and they start calling her two-faced because usually she's really nice and sweet. But yeah. essentially everyone had concerns about the engagement. But the reason they call Chriselle two-faced is because sometimes she's nice, whereas evil Christine <laughs> and evil Davina are just assholes 100% of the time. Because <laughs> they tell it like it is. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're true catty bitches. Exactly. And they start calling her two-faced at this party in front of everyone. And she starts crying and the evil villains are like, oh, I can't believe she's crying. She's so unnecessarily dramatic. How pathetic. Yeah. (laughs) And as Chriselle leaves the party in tears, evil Christine delivers this iconic line. That bitch should own a sunglasses hut because she is so f***ing shady. And seriously, she's clearly been practicing that burn in the mirror for weeks. 
Oh, she's been absolutely rehearsing that. That is brilliant. Yes. God, I'm so jealous that I have not seen this trash yet. This is this is. Amazing. Are you actually into it? Maybe you should watch it. Look, I didn't hate it. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, evil Christine then also throws a party and invites everyone but Crochelle to it and puts a cocktail on the menu called Crochelle Two Face Tonic. So basically, <laughs> she's really evil. Crochelle Two Face Tonic. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. And. Chriselle is just trying to avoid evil Christine, just be professional and do her job. But evil Christine corners her in a party and is like, I want us to be friends again. And Chriselle is like, okay, well, like, sure, you know, we have to work together. We can coexist. We can have a truce. And evil Christine is like, no, I don't want to coexist. I want to be friends. (laughs) And I actually love Chriselle in this moment because she actually has really good boundaries. And she's like, yeah, no, thanks. Like, I'm good not being friends. Yeah. Like, let's just work together. Because literally the only interactions was Christine being really mean to her. So you absolutely don't have to be friends with that person. Absolutely. (laughs) Why would you want to? Like, what's in it for Chriselle? Zero. Exactly. Now, that's the main drama of season one. Now, in season two, because this is the OC, Marissa and Luke break up. (sighs) So what that means in terms of selling Sunset is that Mary, who got engaged, and Eva Christine drift apart. They used to be best friends, but they're fracturing. Mm -hmm. So Christine gets engaged to a guy she's been dating for two months, and she doesn't tell Mary, who's supposedly her best friend. And also remember last season, she gave Mary a hard time for getting engaged too fast when she'd been with the guy for years. Right. And also she didn't even tell Mary about it. Mary found out through the grapevine. So Mary's hurt. Yep. They're on the rocks. Yep. So evil Christine planning her engagement party is hilarious. So obviously she hired a party planner because as you do when you're rich and she tells the party planner, I want it to be like sexual phantom of the opera with a zebra. (laughs) (laughs) And I read the party planner's like, yes, queen, like totally, totally makes sense. They were like, yes, exactly. (laughs) Like they were like vibing it as if that was a normal thing to say that made sense. That is brilliant. Yeah, so funny. Oh, my God. (laughs) And also in season two, another new real estate agent joins called Amanza. So Mm. her name is like a mix between Amanda and Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Amanza? Amanza. Yeah. And she also comes from a disadvantaged background. She grew up in a trailer and was working as a cleaner before she found her passion for real estate. So she's kind of like Chriselle in the sense that she's also from a not privileged background. So is Chriselle still around? Yeah, Chriselle's still around. She's just doing her thing, selling houses, trying to avoid the drama because she's actually right. Seems so they needed to nice bring in a they needed to bring in another Chriselle, Chriselle two point um, to c- continue to stir the drama because Chriselle's oh. just kind of laying low. That's exactly right. Yeah, so, and also with an equally crazy name. Exactly right. No, that's <laughs> spot on. Amanza. So they bring in Amanza. And because she's friends with Mary, a.k.a. Marissa, and she's a new character from the wrong side of the tracks, here to mix it up, mm-hmm. this means Amanza's OC character is Johnny. Now... Another season two drama is the lingering after effects of Moisenite Gate. So you may remember evil Davina slash Julie Cooper was talking about how Mary's engagement ring wasn't a real diamond. It was made of Moisenite. Mm -hmm. So because of this, Mary's fiancé, Romaine, doesn't want Davina at their wedding because in his words, she disrespected him and his French, by the way. It's very awkward because everyone except evil Davina is at a pool party and Romaine tells them then that he doesn't want to invite her and they're all so shocked. They're like, but you can't exclude someone that you work with just because of the comments they made. It's like, (laughs) yeah, no. Like they just value office friendship above like anything else in life. It's like, no, you totally don't have to have them at your wedding. It's fine. No. (laughs) But everyone is like, what the hell? I can't believe you're not inviting Davina. And they're also, like, to be fair, they're like, this is really awkward that everyone was told before she knows. Like, you better tell her immediately. And Mary's like, yeah, I'll tell her tomorrow. Like, please, everyone promise me not to say anything till I can tell her myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cut to the next scene. Evil Christine pulls Davina aside and is like, I have to talk to you and tells her immediately. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, she's just so evil. (laughs) So evil. 
their wedding is just also generally a hot mess because it's six weeks away from the wedding and they have people flying in from France because he's French and they still don't have a venue. What? Why haven't they booked one? Well, she's like, I'm so stressed. Like, my wedding. I don't know. Like, why they're so disorganized. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And then they get offered through work this $35 million Malibu beach house to have it at because the couple are never even there and she's so excited. But then it falls through one week later and she's like oh my god it's five weeks from my wedding and I all of a sudden don't have a venue because this fell through and it's like you didn't have a venue six weeks before either so like. exactly <laughs> but then uh, lucky their whole job is to have access to beautiful multi-million dollar properties so she just goes to a different client's property and it's all good oh well yeah that's pretty handy isn't it you just got access to wedding venues just at your fingertips exactly <laughs> and where she gets married is stunning Now, at Mary's bachelorette party, another drama goes down. So basically, Evil Christine finds out that a while ago, Mary said there was an overlap between Christine's fiancé's last relationship and his relationship with Christine. And Christine is not happy with this accusation. So she decides to ruin Mary's bachelorette party by confronting her about it. You may recall previously she ruined her engagement party. So now Mm. she's on to the bachelorette party. And she corners Mary and she's like, I heard three of you were talking about me and my fiancé and someone said there was an overlap. And Mary is like, oh, you know, I said that. There there literally was an overlap. (laughs) And Christine is outraged. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But basically, Mary doesn't give a shit because she's besties with Chriselle now. So basically, this again is the OC. Chriselle, a.k.a. Ryan, is new in town and she's made Mary slash Marissa realise she doesn't want to be with her long-term BFF slash boyfriend, Luke, slash Eva Christine. She's like, changed. She's changed. She's better now. She's changed. She's opened her eyes. Okay. And yeah, Mary's just like done with Christine at this point. Just like Marissa was done with Luke. And she's like, yeah... You know, I like my other friends. You're actually evil. Mm -hmm. And so what this means is that there's a hangout at Mary's house and not everyone is invited. And there's a photo on Instagram and yet another drama because evil Christine sees the photo from this hangout and she's like, oh my God, that photo of people hanging out, that must be a second secret bachelorette party that we were not invited to. Those bitches. (laughs) Because of course they would create a second bachelorette party just to not invite them. (laughs) they're like what no that we was just hanging out with like her sister and some of her friends it was just like not a big deal it wasn't a bachelorette party (laughs) now when do you think evil christine decides to confront mary about this at the gath at the hangout no good guess though it's at the wedding because she's already oh ruined enough God. special events. She no. decides at the wedding reception you can't ruin to ruin someone's wedding. Eva Christine can. Oh. So at the wedding reception, she's like, "Oh, you know, we were just like really confused why you didn't invite us to your second secret bachelorette party." <laughs> but Amanda, aka Johnny, shuts it down and is like, "Not the time and place, Eva Christine. We can talk about this later." And was Evil Christine like, sure, that sounds like an absolutely respectable option? Or she did actually she did rein it in. I think did she really? her pace. Yeah. <laughs> the producers were probably like, you need to do this at the wedding. And she was probably like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, Christine also has credits on IMDb. So I think she is like loving being the villain and being like, I think she's driving a lot of it as well. Mm. But, you know, yep. she's definitely like, how could I make this as awkward as possible for everyone and say my evil catchphrases? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that she's been rehearsing for ages, as we've said. <laughs> exactly. So that's season two. And then the big drama of season three is that the real estate agents see on TMZ that Chriselle and Justin Hartley are getting a divorce. And they're oh. all super shocked because just the day before she was talking about him and everything seemed great. And Chriselle says in her talking head that, like, they had, like, a fight before work. And then the next day he just texted her to let her know he had just filed for divorce. Jesus. That's when TMZ found out, the same time as she found out. So, yeah, really brutal. She's really shocked and humiliated. And Evil Christine is like, "Mm, do we really believe she was blindsided? 
There's two sides to every story. I met Justin and to me, he always seemed very kind and stable. I just don't think she's being completely honest. Oh, come on. That is basically just like every guy, um, you know, who defends a sex offender or like someone with sexual assault charges. They're like, but I had really good banter with the bloke. He was a good bloke. You know, it's like that does not matter. (laughs) Or like what's happening now with Ellen DeGeneres and her crew are saying it was a really toxic work environment and celebrities are like, but I met her and she was really nice to me. Yeah, exactly. 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 It's like... he still could have been a dick, but like a fight before work, surely there's more to the story here. She's definitely not giving us the whole story. Yeah, but what I would say to that is like she doesn't owe anyone the whole story. She doesn't owe her co-workers or the camera crews the whole story. So like, you know, she's just going through a really brutal divorce in public right now. So it's true and I do feel sorry for her for that. Yeah, it's super sad and she's just like super sad the whole season. Um, and evil Christine who got engaged has like a really quick engagement and she also has her wedding. She brings in the same party planner as last time. This time the theme for her wedding is Gothic Snow Queen. Ooh. So she wants it inside a church. She wants it to be snowing inside the church. All the Mm. guests are to wear white and she is going to wear black. (laughs) Very dramatic. (laughs) So dramatic and very subversive. How do you get snow machines inside a church like I honestly have no idea have they shown that on the show yes yes (gasps) the wedding is the season finale so the day of the wedding the church does look so epic they have like all these white trees inside the church and it's like winter ball which again in the OC they had a winter ball prom they did the wedding is like winter ball and there's like live swans everywhere Christine rocks up in a horse-drawn carriage and she starts walking down the aisle in her big black ball gown and this like white powder starts gently falling down and everyone's like oh my god it's snowing like no one knew it was gonna snow it's a surprise yep and it starts off all like light and powder and everyone's like wow Christine so dramatic but like amazing but then by the time she gets to the front of the aisle the snow is like heavy full snowing and everyone's complaining it's so cold and they're all like covered in like this cold wet like layer of snow (laughs) I thought it would be fake snow no it's cold cold icy wet snow on people that have done their hair and wearing yes they're all holding their jackets over their head inside the church also they're all wearing white so I'm sure if anyone's wearing anything colored uh under there it's gonna all go see-through and be freezing the hell yeah (laughs) so funny so funny (laughs) well even the bride would look stupid because their hair would get all wet and stuff oh it's not snowing on the aisle it's just snowing on the seats where the guests are. So she's Snow- not getting snowed on. <laughs> <laughs> she still yes, looks great. Sorry. queen. That is amazing. She's like, all my guests can look like heathens and I will look amazing. <laughs> Which is typical Christine, to be fair. Typical Christine. And of course she's wearing black to her wedding because she's the evil queen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Still a queen nonetheless. <laughs> it still seems so fake. And so this is all happening like right after Chriselle's really sudden divorce. But she comes to the wedding and she's like trying to be supportive, um, but she's just really sad. She's like crying during the ceremony, not happy, supportive tears, and it's just really sad. Aww. But she's like doing her best to show up. And then afterwards at the reception, Evil Davina keeps talking about the divorce in front of Chriselle and in front of everyone, and she's like, what about Justin's side? Like there are two sides to every story. And Chriselle gets really upset because she's just like trying to get through this damn wedding. Yes. So she just rips up, rips out all her mics and just like storms off and goes home. Aww. And that's the season finale and it ends with her getting home, pouring a glass of wine and staring wistfully out the window while inspirational music plays. And that is all three seasons of Selling Sunset. <laughs> Well, firstly, I'm extremely impressed that you got through three seasons of trash this quickly. I'm pretty sure it was a seven-day turnaround, Grace. So, like, let's be honest about that. (laughs) And um, this is amazing. I can see how you binged this and why everyone's going on about it. It definitely is not what I expected, so... (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous and it's definitely not really that much about real estate. 
like every day they're talking about their dramas inside nice real estates or like sometimes it's a storyline like they try to sell a 75 million dollar house that's owned by this asshole but usually no it's just all about the drama but there's also this thing called selling sunset truthers who are trying to expose the fact they think it's all fake (laughs) expose (laughs) yeah i know it's like guys obviously obviously what's happening (laughs) it's like you know, we talked about the layers, the different categories of reality TV. I think this is kind of like they definitely put people in adversarial situations and encourage them to, yes. you know, fight about things. <laughs> this category sounds almost along the lines of hard scripting, though, just because like so many of the lines that they say are hilarious that have probably been given to them. And um, like a lot of the a lot of the conversations could have been rehearsed or the fights could have been rehearsed. But then again, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know how much of it seems real um, and how much of it seems completely made up. So um, like the Hills, for instance, the situation still happened, but it's all scripted. I'm glad you bring that up because it's the same producer as the Hills. <gasps> well, there you yeah. go. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. So it is basically like the Hills for grown-ups. It's like what if all the girls on the Hills and now selling real estate? And the Hills is scripted. Like it, it's not even a, a hidden, a hidden thing. Like it was at the start when it was on, but then it's not anymore. Like the Hills is. They known did a to big grand reveal in the last episode where they like panned away or something, didn't they? I can't remember exactly how they did it. I don't know. But it was I like this. It. They broke the fourth wall and said it's fake as the final scene. Wow, that's like, pretty bold. And rap. Yeah, it's like tongue in cheek little thing. Cool. I mean, some stuff on the hills did happen, like people getting together and stuff that are together now and stuff. But yeah, how things happen is fake. Yeah. Oh, well, that was fantastic. And speaking of hills, should we find out what hill we're dying on this week? What a smooth segue. Let's do it. So the hill I am willing to die on this week is this. Bread is overrated. Sorry? <laughs> Bread. Overrated. Um, not all that. No, that's ridiculous. Bread is not overrated. Bread is amazing. I would rather a form of potatoes instead of bread. So for a breakfast, I would much rather my eggs on a hash brown for like dipping in a soup or whatever, oh, mashed potatoes would be better. Bread is just like dry. It's boring. <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> what about a, like a crusty sourdough with avocado on it or like bread's amazing, yeah, Grace. Like, I mean, avocado's amazing. I'd rather crackers. Like I will, a crusty sourdough, yes, maybe, but not like all the time, every day. Mm. Like it's definitely not worth the hype. Okay, you're just a weirdo <laughs> and, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I always remember, like, you eating burgers and stuff and always leaving at least half the the bun thing. You only eat, like, one half of the bun and leave the other it's half true. on the plate. It's I still do that. I like the start of a burger. The texture's good. But by the end, I'm like, why am I eating all this bread? I just want the fillings i think maybe i'm like slightly paleo hashtag wellness (laughs) unintentionally paleo uh (laughs) i guess dry bread i i'm with you there that's that's disgusting and and a heinous crime dry bread um but bread in general is amazing i'm addicted to it and um yeah that's all i have to say on the subject hashtag not paleo (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, look, I have nothing else to say about it. I have no evidence or other examples. I just think bread's overrated and that's my hill. Wow. Well, I'd be interested to see who agrees with you on that one. Uh, I feel like we might get some trolls for this um, <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> hill you're willing to die on, Grace. But um, it's your hill, uh, you know, respect. Um- <laughs> <laughs> what about you? So the hill I'm willing to die on this week is TV related. Um, back what a to- surprise. <laughs> Shock. What a surprise. I know. I know. Um, I'm going to join two hills together. So the first one is 
talking heads are too effing long in a lot of TV shows that are not about drama or not supposed to be about drama. So I was supposed to, I was watching uh, the world's toughest race with Bear Grylls and there's all these teams and they all do this like crazy eco challenge over 11 days and there's a number of episodes on uh, Prime Video. Constantly in the first three episodes, I just wanted to see all the dangerous and crazy shit that was going on. And constantly I was taken back to a talking head with some sob story about Mm. the contestant. And I'm so sick of it being the prime thing in shows. I mean, as much as I love Sue, you think you can dance, you know, um, so many contestants are like, you know, when I was a child, I broke my big toe and I'm now, (laughs) you know, I just want to make it as a dancer to prove to myself and to everybody that I am an amazing dancer and da, 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 da. On a reality TV show, sure, I get it. Like, I get it. You know, that's what it's about. It's about the drama. It's about the the people and stuff. But on top of the sob story thing, like when they are on a reality show and they have parents who give them or family members or children who like send gifts because they've been away for all of, you know, maybe four weeks, like just get over it is what I have to say. Um, I watch reality TV shows on catch up for a reason so that I can fast forward this crap. <laughs> when they See, constantly I like cry the sub story i prefer oh the sub God. stories to the running down the hill no grace it's boring it's boring and i don't care i don't care the about emotional their journey no i care about their journey on the program and maybe if they have like running a little tear the track I just I just want to see the challenges. I'm just not interested in the sob stories. And I'm so sick of it being like a whole episode. I'm like, no, this is Survivor. I want to watch the rest of the thing. And on this world's toughest race, they're not even reality stars. They're just random people in teams doing a competition. And all I want to see is the competition. Like, mm. enough's enough. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I get what you mean. It can be a bit much. I think they probably just do it because it's yeah easier and cheaper to film than any exciting races that need like good camera angles and stuff. But like, you know, we've done editing. We've edited a podcast. You know, there is a, like a lot of stuff that they are probably cutting to make to make room for these talking heads and sob stories. Like there would be heaps more footage that they could use that would be interesting and more compelling, in my opinion. You know what they should do? They should release like um, choose your own adventure style based on yeah. all of the different footages and I would be able to go on an emotional journey of their history but you would be able to choose you just want to watch the challenges. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, great idea, Grace. Great idea. Choose your Maybe own adventure. Maybe our next, our next franchise after podcasting. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's see what we're recommending this week. So my first recommendation this week is a throwback to Treasury um, in the cults section, uh, all about Heaven's Gate. So there's a podcast called uh, Heaven's Gate, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) aptly named, um, and it's a 10-part series uh, on the cult, how it happens, um, you know, audio clips from the exit tapes, the families, um, the people themselves, the host uh, himself who also grew up like very religious and uh, in a cult-like situation himself. Uh, And then also a bunch of random people who have, um, you know, checked in with the cult or are still uh, around who were part of the cult at some point. And it's just like a really, really good series um, and it goes into detail a lot more than we covered so yeah highly recommend that you check that one out definitely always good to have more podcasts to listen to mm-hmm. you know we've got our podcast routines going on at home That's and it. a lot of gardening while podcasting I think <laughs> is the new vibe so definitely looking for new podcasts uh my recommendation is a movie okay it's a horror movie which I don't usually like horror movies but this one no. is quite original and interesting and worth it just for curiosity Ooh! it's the horror movie that's filmed on a zoom meeting have you heard about this no so it's called host and the 
the whole movie is like you're watching a screen recording of a Zoom meeting. It's set now during the global pandemic and it was filmed in people's own houses. The premise is a oh group of like friends hanging out on a Saturday night and they're sick of playing Jackbox or doing trivia. So they decide to do a seance <laughs> and they awaken a demonic spirit. And then oh. it's like just all through Zoom, they all had to do their own stunts because they filmed it during Zoom. It's just really cool. Wow. So is there any like actual professional um, camera footage or is it just all from like a, a glitchy Zoom conference? Professionals were involved and staged it, but sometimes it's deliberately glitchy. Things will cut out when they're walking around as if they did have bad internet. But cool. it's not like it's not amateur. Like it had a lot of people involved, but yeah. yet it was still filmed during quarantine. But it's actually got a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! So how did you find out about this? Someone at work told me about it, um, and I just thought the premise was so interesting and like. The whole screen looks like Zoom and, you know, there'll be things like so-and-so's in the waiting room and stuff. So God, way to capitalise watch- on the I pandemic know. and Zoom. Like, like, how brilliant. Exactly. So you can watch it for free on a horror movie streaming service called Shudder, which you can get a <laughs> seven-day free trial of. God, Shudder. <laughs> I know, right? But check it out. You're Definitely. always looking for movies. <laughs> Definitely one that we've never checked out. But yeah, 100%. I want to watch that just maybe during the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, though, I was too scared to go to the toilet after. Yeah, I bet. Well, my next one is a good one, a comedy that maybe you can watch afterwards. Um, Great. So that you can still go to the bathroom. Um, it's called Difficult People on SBS On Demand. And... It's an American comedy series just about um, these two <laughs> kind of like really selfish people, I guess. They're awesome. just they're just really funny. Um, the guy is the only one I recognise and he was in Parks and Recreation as the guy who was really angry with the kind of um, uh, twitchy eye. Ryan Swanson? No, 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 no. He, and he would always yell and get angry and he was kind of camp at the same time. He would like. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I know that. Get his name. I can't think. Yeah, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. But he's one of the main characters, and um, they're both struggling comedians. And the woman's job is to literally recap like celebrity stuff and trash. So, like, it's just. So she's us. So she's us. And but um, we don't get paid. <laughs> that's it. And um, it's just really funny about them getting into just random situations, kind of like a sitcom, but occasionally black humor and just. it's just really funny and dumb this sounds awesome it's really funny and dumb and I love it uh yeah I have to say it's really good <laughs> I know the guy you're talking about is it Billy someone yes he's definitely like the, he's Billy big. someone yeah yes that sounds really awesome <laughs> it is good really really good my final one is like a heartwarming one and random okay it is Troy Savan's video journal vlog of him going home to his house in America after seven months in Australia. So okay. I assume you don't know who Troy Savan is. I or certainly maybe you do. He's don't. He's a singer. No, I don't. He's a singer. He's Australian, but he's made it really big in America. And he started as like a YouTube vlogger, but oh. he's like really sweet. He's like a really beautiful person. And so he did this vlog of, as I said, he came home when ScoMo told everyone to come home, but he's going back to LA because he works in LA. He titled his vlog, Surprising My Dog After Seven Months Apart, Seven Exclamation Marks, Smiley Face, Asterix, <laughs> Emotional. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and it's so cute. I haven't seen my dog in seven months. And I'm going to have my friend Gabby take him for a walk and I'm going to come home and I'm going to hide and I'm going to go. And hopefully I would have set up this camera to film. And it's like literally the single thing that gives me hope and makes me feel better about this whole situation. It's so cute. It's so cute how excited he is. And he sets up all the cameras and he does this little whistle. It's just like so feel good. Like I'm not really a dog person, but something about dog reunion videos is a great genre. 
a dog reunion, animal reunions, like we all know Christian the Lion set to the Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You background music. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that, right, Grace? I actually don't know if I have seen that, but I need to. Oh know. my god! Feel a bit mixed about Christian the Lion after the whole Tiger King episode discussion. Um, no, because it went into the wild successfully, but still remembered the human and then cuddled him in the oh. wild, and it was so goddamn beautiful and very rare. And you thought it was almost going to kill him, but it jumps on him and it's just hugging him. But he's this giant lion, like it's just. I do remember this video, but I don't think I'd seen it. It's a tearjerker. Reunion videos are just a whole thing on YouTube. One time I got into an entire hole of watching Army Veteran return Same. to family videos. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Same. That is such a good genre. <laughs> such a good genre. So basically the vlog goes for 15 minutes. A lot of it's about... Um, his experience sort of in the airport. The airport is so creepy, actually. There's one bit in the mm. vlog where there's this person just playing piano and he's, like, <sighs> zooming around the airport. There's, like, no one anywhere, just this one person playing piano and it's, like, playing quite a creepy song. And then later he's by himself and he's like, yeah, like, that's not a professional piano player. They just have this piano here. <laughs> and that person was like, what does this moment need except a creepy piano solo? <laughs> there was only three people on his flight to LA, so... The whole vlog's worth watching, but definitely the dog reunion part is what we all need in our lives right now. Absolutely. Oh, well, definitely a great finale after that horror film that we're all going to watch because that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. And so for next week, we have another great lineup for you. So next week for our treasury... We thought we'd talk about all things contraception and particularly take a bit of a walk down memory lane at some contraceptions from yesteryear and how they compare to ones we use today. It's very true. I can't wait to hear about all the archaic things that people used to do. (laughs) And then we're also going to be taking a look at dance reality TV shows. And so specifically, we'll be talking about the So You Think You Can Dance franchise and Dance Mums plus a few others. Indeed, the drama of the dance moms is one not to be missed. (laughs) Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We have done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one. 